Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening. Thanks to the pandemic, many more people are aware of how useful additive manufacturing can be with, for, and to supply chains. So what will happen now with additive manufacturing? What issues do engineers need to understand regarding the use of AM now? I'm here today with Daniel Lazier, Product Marketing Manager at Mark Forged, to discuss this issue. So thank you for joining me today, Daniel. Thanks for having me, Leslie. So as AM becomes more accepted as part of a manufacturing supply chain, what effects do you anticipate or do you see might happen to the design engineer, especially in regarding to their design processes? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so interesting because you know, back in the day, I used to be a design engineer and the nature of my job was I would create a design, but then I would have to rely on a completely different and distinct set of resources, often outside of my business entirely to get the part that I needed. And that might take weeks or months, depending on what the part was, what processes it was beholden to. So uh, by extension, the, the very nature of, of that job and that role changes when you're empowered to have that piece of equipment. Uh, right on your desk in, in most cases, where where the kind of components and parts that you're super reliant on now can be produced right where you need it. And you're, you as an engineer are actually specifically involved with the creation of that, of that part, because I just recall how frustrating that could be um, when the reality of your job, your timetable, and even your cost structure is dictated by someone completely outside of your business and outside of your control. So to summarize, I, I think it's about control and empowerment of the engineer at the point of need. So once you design your product, once you've got it exactly the way you want it, tested it, prototyped it, proofed it, and let's say it's going to be made, you're, you're designing in America, let's say it's going to be made in China. Does anything about the supply chain changes affect you in any way regarding that? Um, yeah, and for a very specific and growing band of use cases and applications, especially in the case of say like the Mark Forge Digital Forge and other, other sort of cloud manufacturing capabilities, one might actually qualify a part all the way from prototype to production part at the design lab or, or geographically distinct office um, and then push that design to production where it may be pulled down by, by production resources somewhere completely different across the planet. So they're going to be sending a digital file. Will they have kind of a hands-off approach to that digital file once it's sent to another location? Yeah, great question. And, and the answer to that is it completely depends on the organization, the individuals involved with manufacturing and the roles and responsibilities of those individuals. So in the case of Iger Fleet, which is a component of the Digital Forge, Users may actually assign specific roles and access to specific devices and groups of devices on the basis of those roles. So if I'm a technician in, in Dongguang district in China, say that that user group may be specifically assigned to those printers with a specifically assigned uh, set of parts and part resources in, in a library um, and only have access to the things they need to do their job well, whereas global parts managers can sort of manage the whole fleet and define the specific roles, responsibilities, and command prints from, from one location to another. Do you foresee any challenges for additive manufacturing in regards to making parts at the point of assembly in a supply chain? 
yeah, I think I think one of the challenges we're all facing right now is is coordination of distinct supply chains, right? So, uh, you know, we, we could be realistic about the fact that uh, again, there's a there's a small but growing wedge of production parts that can be produced on a 3D printer today, at least in economic and logistically feasible means. So the challenge becomes, how do I get the rest of this part or this assembly or this or this end product produced at the point of need? And, and the really exciting part and, and trend we're seeing emerging out of the pandemic is, is manufacturers are by nature parallelizing, parallelizing their supply chains so that more parts are available in sort of distinct shorter supply chains. And while that may be uh, potentially more expensive in the short run, it ends up being far more beneficial for manufacturers in the long run when they have the ability to more flexibly balance load demand on specific discrete components of their supply chain. Um, and then rely on the flexible components of the supply chain, like 3D printing and additive manufacturing, to fill in the gaps. Is this going to be a permanent shift with additive manufacturing? Or do you think after the pandemic that things will go back the way they were and businesses will still have long disconnected supply chains? Do you think that we're going to have this more of a permanent change with what we've seen through the pandemic? You know, Leslie, I think I think realistically, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. And, and when I say that, the, the column A is, I think over the next few years, as we transition from pandemic to endemic, we right size the the really critical links of global supply chains, like like shipping, trucking, warehousing, and we get to a new point of equilibrium where where we've got the right resources to solve the right problems in manufacturing. I think we'll see a sort of asymptotic sort of re-leveling to something that looked a lot more like what it looked like in 2019. I think that said, manufacturers are going to clamp down on, on the specific use cases where, where we all mutually have found um, it's more beneficial, both from a cost and lead time to parallelize and have this flexibility and something that might cost a little more in the short term uh, to spool up. And in fact, things that people are investing in now that you can't just throw in the garbage can like in a new factory we're going to find new and more powerful ways to use these things and produce products with more flexibility, more customization, and ultimately more acceptance at the end customer level. And I think those advantages are going to be here to stay and they're going to be enduring. So additive is absolutely affecting the supply chain and much more on a permanent basis. Absolutely. I think at the really extreme level, it's I find it instructive to look at Actually, none other than the U.S. military is as a leading example of how supply chains are, are evolving over time. Because even before the pandemic, they had some of the most austere supply chain challenges that you could imagine, uh, you know, needing to get a specific part or bracket somewhere in some desert in the middle of Kuwait where there's no roads. How do you get a part there, right? And we saw the military really treat 3D printing almost like, by their terminology, not mine, 3D duct tape. I'm making something that's sort of that's sort of going to take the form of the object I need. In the case of Mark Forged, they were making really, really strong parts that conventionally could only be made of metal, but but sort of coming in as, as this, uh, I love that metaphor of, of this duct tape, uh, the thing that solves the problem cheaply, quickly, and efficiently that can make at, at any time, at any point where it's needed with the portability of the printers. Yeah, I was kind of curious as we were chatting, wondering if or how feasible or even if it's already happening, that 3D printing is being used on ship to make parts and then transport them a little bit closer to the end use scenario. 
Yeah, we have we have some customers qualifying a float application. I'll volunteer a little uh, science experiment that I did myself. I I actually wanted to see if I could three print while driving to a customer location. <laughs> I was running a little under the gun, and I needed I need to uh, show them a demonstration part. I actually have it right here. I know the listeners are are uh, are off video, but it's this little wrench that I'm holding. And uh, so at the time I was living in Los Angeles and I was driving down to Orange County. So about a two hour drive down a pretty, I'll say bumpy but interstate five freeway. And so I hooked, I hooked the printer up to my car battery and, and the printers are just so robust, reliable, and it bears mentioning power efficient that throwing the thing in the back of my Honda Accord and getting a successful printout was really, really no muss or fuss at all. That's a great example. <laughs> Yeah. Like mileage may vary on uh the 3d printing on the road i should, I should probably uh disclaim <laughs> hey well if we get ev cars more uh, popular on the roadways who knows what might happen then <laughs> that's right so given all of this development do you see the role of engineers changing at all in relation to additive being uh, used in the supply chain or is, is it still going to be the same that they've always been doing yeah, um, great question. And, and I'll answer that by saying what I thought engineering would be when, like before I went to college and, you know, when I was a 10 year old kid and said I wanted to be an engineer when I grow up, I actually assumed I would be involved in the process of, of actually creating my object. But the reality was, at least in 2015, when I started my career as an engineer, it was really hands off. I mean, I could go walk through the factory and go see how the parts were being created. But when I was actually doing the thing, doing my job, it was all behind a computer screen. Right. Um, and the beauty of it is, and again, apologies to the to the listeners who don't have access to the camera, but I'm sitting in a room that's like 10 by 12. And I have three of these things sitting behind me. And even as I've transitioned to a role that, that has less to do with engineering, the process of actually creating physical parts and every little detail that goes into that are completely under my control. And by extension, the people who, who make great designs and made those great designs created on great manufacturing platforms. Now it's sort of reverted back to this reality where, where I, I am now directly in control of creating that part, pulling it right off the printer and getting that hands-on feedback as to how my design worked out. Do you interface with the manufacturing department at all once you've created a part? Do you go down to them and show them what you've made and then have an exchange for when they get around to producing it in greater quantities. Yeah, and I think it's definitely definitely has a strong bearing on what exactly your role in the manufacturing process is. Uh, if you're a if you're a concept development engineer that's making prototypes, yes, you are interact with the folks that are involved with more mass production use cases and that you need to reflect manufacturability in the design of your final part. If you are by contrast, directly involved with the creation of those manufacturing processes, then the nature of your very job is on that manufacturing line. And the trend we're seeing is, you know, we're, we're seeing this emergence of, of humongous uh, gargantuan manufacturing plants, right? Where nine, 10 million square feet, where it could take almost an hour to walk from one end to the other. It doesn't just matter that you have a, a 3D printer at the factory itself. It actually matters where in that factory you are, because it can take a while to walk that part from one place to another. So in reference to your question about specifically interacting with the manufacturing line, we, we now see engineers, technicians, and, and plant managers alike all converging on the point of the manufacturing line that needs that critical part. 
and locating a printer as close to that, uh, pushing that, that printer as far forward into that manufacturing challenge as possible. Okay, so you're seeing a much more of a trend of the individual engineer having one or more desktop style 3D printers in their offices for their own use, but also much more of, of multiple types of additive manufacturing systems on the manufacturing floors themselves. Absolutely, and it does bear mentioning, you know, with it, and this is somewhat reflected in our product portfolio with you know, the higher end, the industrial printers, the Metal X, and then we recently uh, had a really exciting announcement around FX20, our larger format, uh, more production oriented printer, depending on the specific use case and the throughput and the, the materials capabilities needed, needed in that machine. It may be the case that for those bigger pieces of, of equipment, it is actually that the people who would conventionally be operating, uh, say a CNC mill or a, a larger component of the manufacturing line, um, now in that technician role, transitioning to operating the larger footprint, higher capability manu additive manufacturing equipment as well. Yeah, I could easily see that the technologies are rather similar in that respect. Yeah. Any final the thoughts? Oh, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I was, I was just going to offer the, the biggest difference in, in sort of the role and the response. I talked a lot about the, the transition of the role and responsibilities of, of the individual engineer. The reality of the, of the technician's role and responsibilities uh, change as well, where um, there's less time doing the manual processes of clamping, fixturing, programming, uh, doing all the things that it takes to get a successful part out of a CNC mill. And spending more time actually making parts, managing things from sort of the digital level, where those individuals are now empowered to make more parts for more people, solve more problems, which is a great transition to see as well. Definitely. Okay. Now, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed speaking with you, Leslie. All righty. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, Daniel. 